Good morning, church family. It's great to see each of you, and thank you, Gretchen, for leading our prayer today. Thank you, Bryce, and the worship team for leading. As uh, Jordan's out of town today, we appreciate you filling in and leading us in uh, praise and worship today. I also want to just join uh, with what was said earlier, just thanking those who made the sportsman's banquet such a great day yesterday. Thanks for all of the hard work, the energy, the effort that it took to, uh, to plan uh, an event of that magnitude and to see so many people come. And I was uh, talking with Karen afterwards and just kind of uh, explaining kind of how everything went and, and getting a chance to meet uh, Lou Brock, of course, what a, what a treat that was. And, and she made a great point. She said, you know, for a man that, that, that's lived the, the life that he's lived and, and be at a point in life where he has suffered so much. And, you know, you could, you could tell he was, he was seated and he was sharing testimony, uh, you know, that he's had a stroke and, and some challenges and she said, but what's he doing, you know? Even at that stage of life and even where he's at, he's being faithful to share and to encourage others. And so I, I pray that, uh, that you were encouraged if you were here or if you had a friend that was here, that, uh, that they were encouraged by, by what we experienced. Well, today is uh, a Vision Sunday for us. We like to have one each year near the beginning, uh, time for us to look back upon our, our vision, to reflect upon it, to see uh, what what it looks like for us in the coming year to make sure that we're, that we're paying attention to the vision, that we're staying faithful, that we're, uh, that we're looking at it intently as we make plans and strategy. And so today I would like to share some about vision. I'd like to bring some updates on a, on a couple of uh, key areas. And, uh, and then uh, uh, as the message will certainly have a little different feel than normal, uh, we will be looking uh, between now and uh, Palm Sunday, Lord willing, at the book of James. And so if you want to go ahead and begin thinking about uh, the book of James, a very practical book of wisdom there in the New Testament, not very long, one that uh, you certainly could read through even in a sitting if you want to be, become acquainted with that. And in a couple of weeks, we'll begin a series going through uh, this book in the New Testament. But for today, Vision Sunday, I'd like to begin with a, uh, a simple definition of vision. And there's a lot of different ones, a lot of different ways you can explain vision. But one that I like is a compelling image of an achievable future. The idea to, to have that image in mind, something that is a, a achievable, attainable, a direction that, that all of our steps are leading towards. And really, when we think about vision, it's certainly not just for the church. You know, we should have a vision for our home and vision for our marriage, a vision for what we are doing in the workplace, a vision for what we're doing academically at school, that, that we have a, a, a plan that we're moving towards. And uh, it's important to think about that. In fact, I've at times even talked with my kids about, about having a vision for the next five years. Talking to a, our, our daughter, Natalie, you're 19. Where, where do you see yourself at 24, right? Now, think through, what, where do you want to be? What are the steps that are going to take you to where you can achieve that? And so it's something for each of us as we, as we think about vision. But collectively, as a church, it's important that we not lose sight of our values, to not lose sight of the vision that we believe God has given to us, yes, through His Word, but also through the, the, the circumstances and the situation upon which He has created here at the Fellowship of Wildwood. came across a, uh, an account uh, just a couple of weeks ago in this major snowstorm that, that, we, uh, that we went through, and it, it uh, was an article about a, uh, a few young people who decided that they were going to build a huge snowman. In fact, they, uh, they were in Kentucky. They also got heavy snow there. And they had a friend from Mississippi that came up who hadn't been around snow much, certainly not those levels. 
And so they decided they'd make a snowman, and it actually made the newspaper. Um, if you look at the, uh, the next slide there, you'll see it's nine foot tall. And uh, they built the base around a huge stump of a tree. And then they built upon top of that, and they, they decided they'd, they'd put a hat and, and a smile, and, and uh, they decided they'd name him. What can you guess they might have named the snowman? Yeah, of course, Frosty, right? Yeah, what other name would you pick? Frosty the snowman. And so they said neighbors would come by, honk their horn, wave at this guy, and uh, they, they just thought everybody enjoyed uh, Frosty the snowman. But uh, one person had another vision and uh, decided to come through with a four-wheel drive and decide to, uh, to run into Frosty. And the next picture shows you that, uh, that they discovered that there was actually a stump underneath there. And uh, I really like the fact that Frosty's still smiling, right? It's like he got the last laugh, you know, on the four-wheel drive. And, and uh, I saw that a couple weeks ago. I thought, you know, sometimes that's what vision's like, right? I mean, you have this idea what you're going to do. He's going to knock the snowman over, and of course he didn't. And, uh, and that's sometimes what we see, too. You know, we go forward, we're pursuing, and then we realize, okay, we're going to have to have a course correction here. We're going to have to make an adjustment. We're going to have to get back to what it is that we're about. Author Jim Collins writes, Leaders spend nowhere near enough time trying to align their organizations with the values and visions already in place. And so as a church, we, too, obviously are an organization, and we have values, we have vision. But are the ministries, the strategies aligned to that? That's part of what we've been asking ourselves. The Leadership Council has said this year they'd like to see a five-year plan, a strategic plan developed. The, the church staff has been on a retreat recently, and they're working through uh, uh, revising and updating our, our vision summary and, and looking at, uh, at, 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 at the core values that, that we're a part of. We have a vision statement, and we, uh, we emphasize it quite a bit. We emphasize a few of the, the words on a, on a very regular basis. We'll put it up on the screen here. And uh, it says, One fellowship that worships, grows, and serves together, impacting our community and beyond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know that, uh, that you know, obviously our, our name is there, fellowship. We are a fellowship together in Christ united. But we know that, that if, if someone is a part of the church and they are, they're, they're attending a worship service, they're connecting to the Lord in and, and worship and song and, and, and prayer and, uh, and, and looking intently at His Word, that, that that's part of what it means to be, a, be part of the fellowship. But we also understand that growth is important. And, and one of the ways, one of the, the, the ways we can grow is by growing together. Oftentimes in a small group, like a Sunday school type setting or a small group setting in a, in a home or somewhere where we're connecting with others and, and really able to, to take God's Word and apply it to life. Talk through it, work through it, pray through it, help one another out. That's part of the growth component. And of course, we know that God has gifted us as well. And He's, he's given us these, these gifts that He wants us to use to, to bless and to serve and to, to extend His kingdom. And so uh, we want to discover those gifts, and we want to put them into practice. And so we encourage everyone to find an area of ministry to serve in. You don't have to find ten. You don't have to find, find multiple, but find that one. Find the one that, that really is something you, you find uh, gifting in, you find passion in, and it's something that you can invest in. And as we all do that together, we see the body of Christ growing, and we see a, a, healthy, uh, we see a healthy body uh, continuing. But we see the, the last half of the section uh, of the worship uh, of the vision statement, excuse me, that says impacting. That uh, the, the, these other three words that we emphasize a lot to, to worship, grow, and serve, but, but we don't want to forget the last half. 
to impact, that, that, that Christ is on a mission to seek and to save the lost, that God has a, a love and a, and a compassion for those who don't yet know Him, and that for, for whatever reason, since the days of the disciples and the early church, He's chosen to work through His body to be an expression of that grace, of that hope, to those who have not yet experienced it. And so we've been looking in the month of January at a couple of passages in Mark that, that give us a picture of people who have been touched by Jesus. And they had physical ailments, they had physical issues, but they were convinced. And in the case of last week, the paralytic, he had four friends who were convinced that Jesus was their, the only hope. That Jesus was the only one who could make the difference, who could change the life. And so for us to look at our vision statement and say, yes, there are many things that are happening right here among us in these walls, but if we don't, if we don't focus and value and strategize that second half, it can be really easy to miss it, to forget about the impact that's to happen outside these walls. And so I think for two years, as we have been working together as a church family, working through a merger, working through the details of, 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 of organization and structure, and, and just frankly getting to know one another, you know, there's, there was a, a necessary time of, of really having some internal focus. But I really believe, really believe that the latter part of that statement is really what we need to look at for this year. And so I want to give a couple of key updates and then from that, I want to talk about the latter part of that statement. Give some things for us to, uh, to look at in a very specific way. So uh, first of all, just this will be kind of like a, a, a bit of a report, and I apologize for that, but it's important information that, that I think we need to, uh, uh, to be aware of, make sure we're all on the same page, and then we'll move back into the latter part of that vision statement, okay? So here's some key factors to think about. Uh, Any time that a, that a church is, is looking within and trying to evaluate health of ministry and, and, uh, and trying to see and, and uh, quantify uh, aspects of, of impact, uh, we, uh, we oftentimes will look at some numbers. And I think numbers are important. That's why we keep track of them. I don't think that numbers necessarily give the full picture, but they do give a picture of something, and they do give an indication of things. And so I want to talk for just a minute about uh, attendance numbers as well as giving. If you look at the last two years, uh, our average weekly attendance, thinking about both the early service at 8.30 and the late service, for 2017, we were above 600 as, a, as an annual average. Of course, 2017 was the year of the merger, a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm, excuse me, and, uh, and we, we, we saw that as, as our average for the year. 2018, we saw a dip below 600. And so we, we certainly recognize that's not the direction that, that we want to go in terms of, of attendance. We want to try to, to, to measure and quantify impact in and, and reaching new people. But we did go through a, uh, a series of some significant losses, particularly over the summer months. It seemed like we were having one goodbye after the other. Someone's family to California, two families to Texas, family to Indiana. We had another family that moved to California and one that's in the process of moving to Florida. It's like, okay, wait a minute. We can stop with all this moving because these are all core families, right, that have, that have just been a part of, of, uh, of the, the, the real fabric of our, of our community here. And so, so we had some goodbyes, and that, of course, makes an impact. Now, by God's grace, we've also had 
some new families come. And hopefully over, over uh, the Advent season, you were uh, able to, to be introduced to some of them as they were leading an Advent and lighting the candles and, and sharing about the Advent stories. And so we, we know that God has a plan to continue to build and to grow and to, to reach, but we want to keep an eye on that. And I'd love to see us continue to focus and to see, I think coming back to that 600 number, should just be the bottom. I think we should just go right past that and continue to see we live in a growing community with people who need the gospel. People that, that, that maybe they don't know it, but they're in their brokenness, uh, they, can, they, can, they can find hope and healing in Jesus Christ. And so as we've looked the last couple of, uh, over the month of January, people who were uh, touched by Jesus, and, and the first one was a leper, and he was, he was touched by Christ physically. His, his life was transformed. It was changed. And we know that there are people around us that are longing for that change. And we know that because we've experienced it, right? I mean, if you are a Christ follower here today, you can look at your life and like the songs we sang today and, and say, I've been set free. I've been, I've been given a new hope, a new life. And we, we, we celebrate that. We recognize it. We're grateful for it. But we know, we know that there are others still waiting, like we once were, for that good news. Let me talk also about the giving. Our giving is another metric, another number that we look at. And 2017 was the first year of a, of a merger. We're combining assets and debts and, and, and payments and so forth. And, and, uh, and 2017 was, was, was a, a year where we finished a little below our, our budget. We had to pull into our reserve some to be able to finish out 2017. God provided and uh, we made it through 2018, however, was, was a very encouraging year financially. Almost from the very beginning to the end, we were meeting our budget. And we, we finished the year in excess of the budget. So we, we, we recognize that God's people are faithful, that they're giving sacrificially, and that, that the bottom line is God's providing. And so we, we want to be quick to thank Him for that. And uh, now, January 2019, of course, is a different story, but I guess I'll be talking about that later in the year. But uh, as we think about 2018, it, it, we, again, finished above budget, and it was just a blessing to be able to, to return funds back into our budget reserve. And so, uh, Lord willing, Lord willing, only the Lord knows when we'll get this totally finished in the sale of the property at Ellisville. Uh, as you know, we're continuing to have steps in the process towards closing, and we, we hope very soon that will happen. It's taken much, much longer than anyone could have anticipated, but I'm still optimistic that it will happen, and, uh, and that will certainly be a, a blessing as we think about the finances. I also want to give a staff update. Uh, of course, we've had uh, uh, the opportunity to welcome some new staff members. If you've attended the early service at some point, hopefully you've been able to meet Dennis Goski. He's now leading and has been leading through uh, the fall and, and currently our uh, early service music, doing a great job and really appreciate so much Dennis and, and what he has brought to the early service. We uh, finally were able to see Tim Montgomery acquire a visa. You know what that process was like. And we have Tim with us. And uh, again, 2018 was a blessing in being able to have him come and, and uh, provide uh, tremendous leadership for our student ministry. I'm excited about what is ahead for him and for our, for our student ministry. There's some other areas that we want to, uh, to place some focus on. So I'm going to talk a little bit of, uh, this morning about discipleship ministry, a little bit about connections ministry, and uh, also some about, uh, about children's ministry, kids' ministry. We, we have uh, uh, some, uh, uh, some realignment 
within our staff on some of these roles. And, uh, and so I want to share that with you just so that everybody understands what is, uh, what is taking place with that. You may know that over the years we've had different positions such as a minister of connections or a minister of discipleship focusing on these areas, but we've not had that in recent days. And so rather than trying to add more people, we've asked the, uh, some of our staff members to consider uh, realigning their responsibilities some. And in doing so, assuming some of the, the responsibility based upon some, some passion and giftedness that they have. And so uh, Brad Canalejo is one of them. Uh, he has a tremendous uh, interest in discipleship ministry, something he's very passionate about. Uh, in fact, he's been teaching a discipleship class, connecting the dots. Last semester, it was the Old Testament, this semester, the New Testament. And uh, he has agreed to continue to oversee family ministry, to continue to oversee kids ministry, but to also uh, take on discipleship ministry. And so uh, as the uh, pastor uh, that, that oversees both of those, those areas, and I'm excited about that because he's, he's gifted and he's passionate as he's demonstrated, but it also has helped us with something else that we've been wanting to achieve. Uh, this man, Russ Ewing, who has been our minister of uh, education and administration, has a position description that might not even fit on a page. I mean, you talk about all the different areas of responsibility. And so one of our goals was to try to streamline that some. And, and, and really curtail a role that is very fitting for him as an executive pastor, one who has a lot of insight and leadership within the church, leadership in areas of administration, finance, personnel, um, policy, um, uh, facility, transportation, a lot of these kinds of things he is so gifted in and has been doing all of that for, for many, many years. But he's also very passionate, obviously, about missions ministry and about men's ministry. And so these are areas that if given time and opportunity, he is able to, to provide more attention and something that, that really uh, encourages him. And so, so those two guys are going to be making some transition related to the discipleship piece. Brad will have a, a church-wide emphasis with discipleship while still maintaining focus on family and kid men. In doing so, uh, Judy West, Sharon Khalifa, who help out uh, as staff members in the kids ministry area, they're going to take on some increased role particularly with Awana and with um, uh, the Difference Camp and uh, with, uh, with some, of the, uh, some of the organizational pieces there. And so, again, both of these ladies, long-time uh, uh, faithful uh, servants in, in Kidmen, and so uh, glad that they are, are willing to, to help share some of that uh, to assist Brad with, uh, with this transition. They'll still be serving with him, of course. But the other area that I want to mention is connection ministry. And when I use that word, it may not be as familiar but it's, it's basically the idea of saying when, when someone is coming into the church, how do we help them get connected? How do they not just feel lost in a, in, a, in a church of several hundred people? How do they find that small group? How do they get plugged in and connected to, uh, with re relationships, friendships, areas to serve? And so having a strategy and having a point person to help us with connection ministry is so vital. And uh, like I said, we at one point had a, a person that, that that was a focus, but we've not had that uh, in, the, in, the, in the recent uh, year, year and a half. And so uh, we've asked Stephanie Little, who directs our women's ministry. She's already, as you can tell when she gives the welcome, she is already gifted and she, she has a passion for seeing people get connected into the body of Christ to make sure that there is a place for, for people to serve, a place for people to, to, to be uh, encouraged. And, uh, and she's even demonstrated that with the ministry fair 
that uh, she puts together a couple times a year. When we have the foyer filled with, mini- with tables and ministry opportunities and ministries on display, she's the one behind all of that. And so making sure that there is an approach where people can understand their spiritual gifts and then see, well, what do I do with it? How can I be equipped to, to serve as well? And, and when someone is, is connected in a worship service and when they're connected in a small group and when they're connected in and they've found a place where they can serve, you know what happens? begins to feel like home. And many of you have experienced that. And I would dare to guess that there's probably some that are still wanting to experience that kind of connection. And so, so Stephanie has already begun thinking through how we might uh, be able to, uh, uh, to, to take a, uh, a good look at the strategy related to connections ministry. And so I'm thankful for her. And some of you are wondering, well, what does that mean about women's ministry? Well, she's still going to be the director of our women's ministry as well. She does a great uh, job with, uh, with, uh, with that vital ministry. And so, as I said, we've not added staff in these roles, but we've, we've made some adjustments. And uh, in some cases, it's going to mean more opportunities from the body uh, to come alongside and to, uh, to serve and assist. Because I think you would agree that these are, these are vital for us, particularly where we are at right now. A couple of announcements have been made recently on retirements. And uh, we had a reception last month for Vicki Williams who had been our office manager and served in the church office for a number of years. And so we, we had that uh, celebration for her. And then last week we had another announcement. Pat Stroud, who has been uh, serving and keeping up as a financial secretary, she has announced uh, a retirement that will take place in two months. So we'll have her for February and March. And Miss Pat has done a tremendous job. Uh, for those who have an Ellisville background, you know that she has been a part of the ministry for, for about 20 years. And for the two years here at Fellowship, she even started 2017 by maintaining both sets of books for both corporations of both churches for an entire year. And so she went above and beyond. And, uh, and so, again, she has been uh, just a tremendous, tremendous blessing from the Lord. And we'll have a, a reception there for her that will be announced very soon. But I think in the bulletin, if I remember right, there's some descriptions there. We are looking for some, uh, uh, for some additional uh, help in, uh, in these two areas. And so we're praying that God will provide and so please join us in praying as we seek to fill these vital roles. Next week, our leadership council, our body of elders, they're going to be attending a conference with uh, some of our staff pastors in Austin, Texas. And as you know, a leadership council elder approach is relatively new to some of us. And so this is a, count, uh, a conference that's going to help us as we think through not only vision and five-year plan and strategy, but also just the, the function of, of leadership, lay leadership and staff uh, pastoral leadership within the context of a local church. And so I'm really looking forward. It's considered a Nine Marks Weekender, if that means something to you, the Nine Marks Ministry. And so uh, uh, we're excited that that will be taking place next weekend. Also, as I uh, uh, think back about all of this, I want to mention the deacon ministry. We had, for the second year in a row, a, a wonderful ordination service. It happened last Sunday afternoon. Five more ordained into the deacon ministry, and we have currently 30 serving actively. And uh, more than that are ordained, but 30 that are serving actively. And I really believe, and Mac McCarthy, our chairman, and uh, John Sheldon, who was the chairman last year, said they, they really believe that, that the deacon ministry is in the process of really expanding. And so as you think about the hands-on practical ministry in the different ways, whether it's with, with uh, widows and, 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 and those in need or those that are uh, suffering in hospital situations, I mean, to have that many uh, with their spouses, all, all involved is, is so exciting. And so I felt like it was something worth mentioning. 
2018 was a year where we had a lot of focus upon spiritual renewal. In fact, if you were with us during the month of October, spiritual renewal was the theme of life action, a time of, of, uh, of uh, reflection. It was a time of even repentance uh, for, for us to, to, to go before the Lord, honestly, openly. And uh, this team that, that was brought in uh, did a great job with a the idea of renewing spiritually. And I, and I knew even as we were going through it, yes, we're, we're experiencing this, we're growing through it, we're, we're, uh, we're being taught, but we know that it's not just for us. That that renewal is to lead to something else. And I believe, as we look into 2019, that it was helping to lay the groundwork for us to be ready to see the lives of others changed, to see the lives of those in our community changed. And so that's why we've been looking in, in Mark's gospel at, at people who encountered Christ. And so for 2019, I want to ask, can a theme that we look at, that we focus upon, be seeing lives changed? I know when we had a, a baptism service this summer, we had, we had a, a number of people giving testimony about what Christ had done in them, how their lives had been changed radically, and we're, we're celebrating this new life as they're baptized. And I, I would say that is... Part of God's plan for fellowship of Wildwood is to be involved with people to the level where we can see lives changed. So based on that, I want to give us two questions for 2019. Two questions that we're going to look at. The first one we're going to be looking at uh, over the next eight or nine weeks. And then the second one, I'm sorry, the second one we'll be looking at over the next eight or nine weeks. And the first one uh, we'll be looking at again probably later in the spring or into the summer. And the first question is this, who's your one? And uh, last week as I was preaching about a paralytic that was, that was lowered below a, a rooftop and how Christ was able to heal him and he picked up his mat and his life was changed and the community was just amazed, the city of Capernaum, of what they had just seen. Those four friends had someone, their one, that they knew. They knew that his only hope was to meet Jesus. His only hope was to experience an encounter with Him. And these four friends, they, they went to a lot of effort, didn't they? In fact, when they got close to the house, they saw it was so full, they weren't even able to go in. Now, I think in 2019, we might be in a situation like that and say, well, maybe it's just a closed door. Maybe, maybe there's just not an opportunity there. Maybe, maybe it's just not meant to be. But that's not what these guys were saying. They were like, if we can't go in the door, we'll go down through the roof. And so I wonder if maybe... In 2019, we need to be thinking, what, what, what are some of those bold steps we need to take? Because you and I read some of the same surveys that say that, that the American culture is viewing faith and church, local church in particular, as being less relevant than a generation ago. And so maybe we say, well, it must just be a closed door. Maybe times are just changing. And I want to say, well, I, I don't think that, that the Holy Spirit's reading that survey, right? I, I don't think the Lord is saying, well, maybe I won't seek and save the lost anymore because obviously the survey says they're not as interested. No. I think, I think now more than ever we need to be thinking with boldness. And when we see that, that maybe, maybe we, we've, 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 we've run into a stump or maybe we've run into a, a closed door, maybe the idea is, well, what's the bold move going to be? It's where we go through a rough. So when you think about who is your one, what am I asking? Thinking about that person. It comes to mind. And when you are asked the question, who is it that you know that really needs a touch from the Lord, they come to mind. Now, I'm not saying 10. I'm not saying write down 50 names. One. 
one? Who's the one person that comes to mind? Pray about that. Ask God to to give you that, that burden and that passion. Because if we really want to be impacting the community and the world around us, there's going to need to be some extra effort. As I've said, the last two years have been, uh, have been incredible for us as a church family. And we have experienced gospel work among us because the gospel heals what is broken, brings broken things back together, brings new life, brings reconciliation. We've experienced it. And we live in a community of people who are longing for it. They may not know the connection of how that can happen with Christ. Maybe they are thinking of, 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 of religion as something that's very ritualistic and, and very much uh, 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 something that's just a routine. But we are saying, no, there's a, a God who loved you enough, who saw the situation of the world, that He would send His one and only Son. And that when you and I meet Him, And when we're touched by him, what is it that our disciple now speaker said? He said, everyone that Jesus touches, he changes. And there's people that are are, longing for that touch. And I believe that we are poised to be the people to help, help others be introduced to him. So I ask again, think about that question. You can say, who is it that you desire to see meet the Lord? Who is it that you are burdened for? Or simply say, who's your one? Think for a moment about a life that you've seen changed. Maybe you can think about your own life, your own testimony. I can remember as a young boy, my mom, as a faithful believer, would get my brother and I up. We'd be a part of church. She was very much in the the ebb and flow of the day, sharing Scripture with us and teaching us the things of the Lord. Um, But my dad was not a believer when I was a young boy. In fact, he, uh, he was pretty skeptical, you know, very intelligent man, a professor at the University of Houston, very intellectual guy, but also a very family-oriented guy. Loved his boys. Very, he's a very athletic guy and, and grew up with sports, so he always coached our, our teams, Little League and basketball and so forth. So he was very involved with all of life, with school, everything, but not church. We left him behind every Sunday. And uh, about the closest we'd ever get with him about church is him looking through our materials when we got back because he just wanted to see if there was anything there that, that, that he might have, have a problem with or that he, uh, that he felt was, was, uh, was not good for us to be, be seeing. So he, he, again, had a skeptical mind. In fact, I can remember going to a royal ambassador's camp. Did anybody do RAs? Does anybody remember that? Okay, RA camp. So went to RA camp when I was a boy and, of course, went with the group from the church and we're having this great time. And lo and behold, the first night, who shows up but my dad? Like, oh, Dad, hey, what, what are you doing here? And uh, what is he doing? He's just looking around just to see if everything's on the up and up. And, and uh, he, was, he was satisfied enough. He left and he let me stay. But that just kind of gives you a picture. You know, not even Easter, not even Christmas. I mean, there's just, there was just not an interest there. But little by little, some things started changing. And I, I, I credit the Lord working through my mom's testimony. She continued to... to to support him and love him and pray for him and just be a, a godly example. And over time, I, don't, I was probably at this point probably 12, maybe 13 years old, he decided he'd go to church with us on a Sunday morning, just a regular Sunday. I thought, wow, this is a big deal. And so he started going on a pretty consistent basis. He was interested. He was listening to what was being said. And, and he was talking with my mom about it. And, 
And now he still was he still was not in Christ, right? He still had that other nature. In fact, I can remember one Sunday morning we're all leaving church. It's really crowded. All the cars are trying to to get out. A big church, and the guy with the vest on is trying to direct. And and uh, a lady there in our church, right, pulled and kind of cut in front of my dad. Well, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to do that, right? So so he laid on the horn there in the the church parking lot, and I'm like, oh great. And uh, much to our surprise, she honked back. And, uh, boy, he wasn't going to take that, so he honked again. And, I mean, at this point, we're like three shades of red. My mom's saying, Jim, don't honk at her. And the parking lot attendant's like, what is going on? But uh, he kept coming, and he kept coming, and he started to go to a Sunday school class, and he came to know the Lord. He was saved, and he began growing. And, and I remember, I wish I knew what day it was, but we sat down for dinner, and it shocked me. My dad said, okay going to have a blessing on the meal. I'm going to pray. My brother and I looked at each other, bowed our heads, and he led us in prayer. It was a big, big step. And I remember seeing him as I'd get up in the morning and have breakfast, and there he is sitting at the kitchen table and having a cup of coffee and reading the Bible day after day after day. And I get into high school, and, and uh, well, I'm well into high school by that point, and uh, they're looking for a Sunday school teacher for my class. You know who they asked to teach my Sunday school class? My dad. So here he is now, my Sunday school teacher, my senior year of high school before I graduate. And why am I taking all the time to share this? Because it was a transformation that I saw personally. And if you had, if, if, if you had seen him and known him in 1979, 1980, as my mom was, was the, the witness, and she would say, he is the one that I'm praying for, you would, have, you would have looked at him like some of the people that you're thinking about and said, there's a guy that's far from Christ. Far from Christ. Probably not a guy that would ever come. Years later, his church said, you know, our, our pastor has, uh, he'd started teaching adult Sunday school classes. And then uh, when their pastor retired, they said, we're going to have an interim time here while we're searching for a pastor. Jim, would, would you be our interim pastor? So my dad, the guy I've been telling you about, was preaching week after week until they called a pastor. So I, I just want to encourage you by that because it has been an encouragement to me. Jesus is in the business of changing lives. And for whatever reason, he works through us. And so you have a family member, or you have a neighbor, or you have a friend that you go to school with, or you work with someone, and you think there's someone that needs a touch from Christ. And I want to tell you, I think this is the year for us to consider who is our one. And you're going to see, look at that next picture there. We're going to be looking at it, it, I think it's the next slide, uh, we're going to be looking at that over the, maybe the latter part of the, the spring or summer, and we're going to be seeing our, our denomination is asking the same question, who's your one? Who's your one? And if you think about it, Jesus said in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And that, that really reads like a mission statement. Jesus came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. That's a mission that we as the church have been invited into. And so, as we think about the mission of Jesus and we think about that question, let me ask you again, who is it that you will pray for? Who is it that you will bring to Christ? Who's your one? And if we all got real serious about that and didn't just treat this as just another year to have a vision Sunday and then just go throughout the year like, like nothing's changed. But if we would really take a different approach and say, no, this is the mission of Jesus and this is our calling and this is our opportunity, 
Because someday I'm going to step into heaven and I will have no more opportunities to bring people to Jesus, right? Because those that are there would have already been brought. But now is the time. And if you and I, every one of us, we get real serious about this, what might 2019 look like if each one of us, young and old, and everyone in between is saying, I'm looking for one, looking for one, praying for one, looking for opportunity to, yes, verbally share, to come alongside the one. Do we need training? I'm sure we do. I'm sure we need equipping. I don't despise that. But let me ask you this. Did those guys have a course in cutting into the roof and lowering down a bed? Did they have any training on that? No, but they had a passion that told them that's what they had to do. That's what we have. That's what we need. And so what it is today that I'm asking for is, God, give us that passion. Give us that energy. We spent a lot of energy, 2017 and 18, on what's happening here. And a lot of it was necessary. And I'm sure there's more work to do. Don't get me wrong. But, but, it can't, it can't prevent us from being on the mission that Christ has given. So let me ask again, who's your one? Second question, are we a welcoming church? And I know that I've gone past my time. I'm seeing the clock. So I'm going to be very brief here. We're going to look at this over the next eight weeks. Asking this question, are we a welcoming church? It relates to the first question. Because if I'm bringing someone who is the one that I've been praying for and speaking with, and I bring them to church, like my neighbor who sat with me at the sportsman's banquet yesterday, right? We, we have these opportunities. We want to know that when they come, that they are going to be appropriately, authentically welcomed. And so there is a book that was written by Tom Rayner, a guy with Lifeway, has recently retired, I believe. But anyway, just a, a foremost consultant in, uh, in the Baptist world. He wrote a book called Becoming a Welcoming Church. And uh, they sent it, I think, to all the churches. And we got one, and I uh, looked through it and thought, you know what, that's it. That's something that we could really practically benefit from, particularly as new people are coming in and we're thinking about connection ministry more seriously. What, what does it look like for us to be equipped as a welcoming church? Because let me ask you, do you think it's possible to be a friendly church and not a welcoming church? Do you think it's possible to be well-connected with, with a group of people here that you really love and care about and it'd be hard for someone else to be able to do that? I, I think those... Answers are yes. It, it does happen. It can happen. And as, as friendly as we are and as, as loving as we are, it still can be difficult for someone new coming in. So how are we going to do it? You're going to see, I think this picture is on your bulletin this morning. You're going to see it over the next eight Sundays. And I'm going to ask a staff member to come and, and, and make this a matter of prayer. Just as Gretchen came today and thoughtfully and, and scripturally prayed about vision, we're going to be praying about hospitality, praying strategically about some things may need to change, right, to make sure. Maybe some things need to be added to make sure that we are doing as effective job as we can. I've got something very brief I want to read. Rainer has a research team. They do a lot of, of research among, among churches, and in particular for this book about people that were visiting churches as first-time guests. And he says, churches perceive they are a friendly church because the members are friendly to one another. But they don't think about walking in the shoes of first-time guests. They don't look at their facilities, parking, website, or their friendliness from a guest perspective. We learned in our research not to ask church members if their church is friendly, 
to find out if their church really is friendly, right? They're asking the guests. Most church members have forgotten what it's like to be a first-time guest. They now have established relationships in the church. They love their church. Their biases tell them their church is great, but many church members and leaders are wrong. That's what he said, end quote. So we're going to be looking at what the Bible calls hospitality. Again, I'll be preaching through the book of James, but we'll also be praying through the principles of authentic hospitality. That's what Romans 12 tells us to pursue. In fact, it's so important, it's a requirement and a characteristic of a church leader. 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1, mention that church leaders must be hospitable. So what does that mean for us if we want to lead in this way? Well, we've put it together. These are our two questions. I want to ask you to be praying about that one. I want us to be attentive and willing to make changes if necessary that we can indeed become a welcoming church. I believe that God has worked powerfully among us. I believe He's worked within us for a purpose that is greater than just 2017 and 18. He wants the name of Jesus to be made known in our community. He wants you and me to bring people to Him. Are you ready to do your part? Because this is a vision. This is God's vision that is only possible with all of us saying, this is important. I'm willing. I'm willing to do my part. I'm willing to answer the call. Are you with me? Are you with me, church family? Let's think about this. Let's think about it to the point of action. And may God be glorified as we see lives changed in our community and beyond. Would you pray with me?